ladies and gentlemen, welcome on the Art Hour. And in this edition, we have with us uh, one of the directors of Hauser and Wirth in Somerset, uh, Dia Vanagan. Uh, welcome on the Art Hour. Thank you so much. It's so good to be here. So uh, I would like to make a, a brief introduction about Hauser and Wirth, and then uh, we will go, um, and then you will tell us what is the situation in Somerset because it seems that the model is quite different from what we have been used to in the uh, urban environments. Yes, so absolutely. For those, yeah, for those who don't know, Hauser & Wirth uh, was founded in 1992 in Zurich by uh, Ivan and Emanuela Wirth uh, and Ursula Hauser. And then they were joined by uh, Mark Payot in 2000. And nowadays the gallery represents uh, over... Uh, 75 artists and estates from Louis Bourgeois to George Kondo and Martin Greed and oh. has branches in Hong Kong, London, New York, Los Angeles, Somerset, Stad and St. Moritz. Um, uh, the Somerset branch uh, opened in 2016, correct? 14. Um, 2000, 2014, actually, yes. The LA was 2000, yeah. And you joined them in 2016, and correct? Exactly, yes. Yeah. So what is the model, uh, what are the differences of having um, a gallery space um, in Somerset, in the middle of, of the countryside? Uh, for, for us, it's a kind of a, a little bit unexpected. And I can imagine that you have uh, developed a, uh, uh, more ways of functioning than just uh, an exhibition space. Absolutely. I think sort of House and Somerset, when it began in 2014, I think, um, and Alice Workman, who's still today our senior director, she was very much sort of, you know, the, the first person on the ground. And um, her background was very much in sort of um, working in public collections as well as, um, as well as commercial galleries. And so sort of taking that knowledge together and working with Ivan Manuela, who have, you know, a real passion for artists in the countryside and encouraging people to engage with um, artists in so many different ways. Sort of that combination together really was sort of the seed for what Somerset was to become. Um, you know, the, the whole the whole sort of concept for Somerset actually came um, incredibly sort of organically. Um, Ivan and Manuela moved to the UK sort of in the early 2000s. And, you know, they come from sort of a, a much sort of smaller farming community in Switzerland. Um, so mm. when they moved to London to open the London Gallery, they just sort of felt that, you know, London was sort of quite different for them. And they actually found... Um, Bruton and Somerset. Quite overwhelming, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and they found Bruton and Somerset, um, and basically sort of really felt at home here. And actually, you know, it wasn't for a number of years later that actually that they found the site that would become the gallery. Initially, when the site was was acquired, it, it, you know, it wasn't that there was a clear idea that this would become a gallery. It was sort of something that developed organically, and you know, today it's become you know, a real multi-purpose center for not only, you know, exhibition making, various events, um, education activities from literally sort of young children to, to sort of adults, um, you know, a space for outdoor sculpture and artist residencies as well. So, you know, it, it really is that kind of um, 
celebration of all these kind of different levels of engagement with with the arts but sort of in further further to that it's also you know on site here we have you know the Roth Barn Grill restaurant and um, we're fully working farm of a thousand acres and the farm services the restaurant um, we also have the Dursley farmhouse which is you know a guest house that anyone can come and rent and stay we have an incredible world-class garden by Pete Aldoff who's one of the three, you know, one of the three kind of core creative minds in the beginning of setting up um, Somerset, as well as um, Louis Laplace, who, you know, Louis Laplace and, and B2B architects, who were the architects that, you know, worked on the buildings and developed the old buildings. Um, and, you know, it's sort of expanded, you know, into also a lot of, sorry, I guess, I guess it kind of comes back to the core belief in kind of education, sustainability and conversation and conservation. Mm-hmm. So, Sort of there's there's lots of components that have come out. And I think, you know, the reason that I guess Somerset has been, you know, incredibly sort of in the minds of, you know, not only kind of in sort of the future development of the spaces, for instance, you know, our space in Los Angeles, which opened two years after, you know, is very much kind of taking on, you know, from the different, um, you know, from the different sort of ethos that we've sort of started here in Somerset and then you know, sort of going on to what will become next year in Menorca when, you know, when we open there in 2021. Yeah, I was ready to ask about that. You, there's a, it's like a, an island, a home island, which is kind of dedicated to the gallery. It was a yeah. former uh, army uh, facilities. And now they yeah. converted in completely in an art center with uh, multi-purpose activities, correct? Exactly. It's a world UNESCO heritage site on Isa mm. del Rey. Um, and, you know, I'm I'm not working on the project, but uh, but essentially, it's you know it it's an old naval hospital, and there are sort of you know um, sort of naval buildings that are currently being um, renovated to become you know to become the exhibition spaces. And actually, um, what's been really interesting is that we've I, I don't know if you've seen, but we've sort of done a um, we've launched uh, actually at the end of last year we launched our art lab, which is sort of a whole department developing sort of virtual reality and ah, um we developed no, the software yeah, so, so we've we've developed the software called hwvr uh, which you know essentially it kind of combines um technology from the construction world from the architecture world and gaming world um and we we started that sort of early sort of towards the like september 2019 and you know it was all about kind of looking at Just sort of sustainable yeah, m- much before COVID. Yes, of course. And I, yeah. I, this will all make sense when I get to, <laughs> it, it all makes sense when I sort of get through. But essentially, um, that was initially sort of set up to help with exhibition planning, thinking about reducing our costs of transporting art, travel. Um, but then when sort of COVID hit, it was something that we fast tracked and and sort of launched on a more sort of public platform. And this is where the virtual experience um, of the first exhibition in Menorca beside itself was launched, um, you know, during during the lockdown. And so the the art lab, the HWVR software basically allowed people to visit the Menorca gallery that hasn't opened yet, but to be able to see what it will look like with an exhibition you know, with artworks hanging. So it is, is a model which represents the, the space, the area, and you can navigate around? That's what it is? It is, but it's it's very different from sort of the previous kind of VRs that we've seen. Um, you know, a lot of the previous VRs, you kind of, you kind of, you know, they're taken with photographs, whereas this has actually been built up using pixels and scanning the mm. site. Um, and so, 
you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's a very different thing. And you can, you can actually go onto our website at houseoverearth.com and actually click on the Menorca site and you'll be able to actually navigate through the VR. And if you have, um, you know, there's like these five pound kind of Google uh, cardboard glasses that you can get that you can put your phone inside, it actually becomes a virtual experience. And the difference is also is that you can see, um, you get sort of the sense of light and tones and there's reflections in, you know, the, you know, any of the artwork that have glass on them to the floor. So it really is a much more immersive and engaging experience. Have you done this for the rest of the galleries or is it like a prototype that you're thinking of uh, slowly expanding into the rest of the of the spaces that you have around the world? Well, because originally originally the you know the the software was to kind of essentially help with exhibition planning and to work with our artists, you know, in a better light and everything. Um, you know, the hope is perhaps one day we'll, you know, we'll do the remainder of the galleries, but from a kind of a public platform, I think basically it comes down to sort of, you know, in this really unusual, you know, time in lockdown, you know, we've wanted to kind of find new ways of sharing our content on a digital mm -hmm. platform and by fast tracking art lab, it really allowed us to do that. And, um, you now uh, opened again. You closed uh, with the lockdown in Somerset. Yes. Uh, you open again. And uh, did you have virtual activities uh, during the time that the gallery was closed? Absolutely. Uh, essentially from sort of, you know, a global sort of, with our global kind of galleries. Um, together, since the lockdown, we had 15 online exhibitions. Um, we had two special charity prints, um, which essentially sort of went to support different organizations. So um, Jenny Holzer did uh, a print that was for Art for Acres, which is a global conservation um, organization, and 100% of the proceeds went to that. Um, Simone Lee, um, just the other week, did a, a sort of a limited edition that essentially 100% of the proceeds went to Color of Change. Um, and essentially there's, and also with all the online exhibitions that we've been doing, 10% of all sales have gone to COVID relief and the World Health Organization. Um, and this all kind of sits under this banner of um, what we've started calling Art for Better. Um, mm. And you'll sort of see if you follow hashtag Art for Better, all the different activities that fall into that. But I would really stress that, you know, this is something that, you know, House and Worth have been doing for a long time, sort of this, you know, this real sort of engagement with the community and supporting charities. I mean, even here in Somerset, um, locally, since we've opened, we've been supporting a different uh, charity each year. Um, local, for instance, you know, from the Bruton Museum to the Somerset Wildlife Trust, um, Brew Crew, Carrymore, Bruton Primary. And this year, because of, in response to the COVID situation, we decided to support three different local charities that sort of cover sort of the health, artistic and sort of social aspects of the local. So we're supporting the Bruton Food Drop, the Balsam Centre and Black Swan Arts um, located in Froome. And to date, sort of just the Somerset space through these charity um, initiatives have raised over a hundred thousand pounds for these charities um, because obviously we're a site that you know we're completely free and open to the public um, you know we ask for donations for our charities and but you know apart from sort of 
certain events sometimes if we just need to kind of cover material costs or um you know or if they involve so an event at the Rothbard grill for instance we do these open source salons that are an evening of talks and a dinner together this is obviously pre pre-lockdown um yeah. you know any any fee any fee that we charge is really just to cover any food or minimal material costs but as, essentially it's heavily heavily subsidized because you know we really see sort of education engagement really at the core of everything we do Mm-hmm. That's that's about the the ethos that you briefly mentioned. Some of the activities you also briefly mentioned that you have uh, an artist in residence program. Um, yes. How how does it function? Do, do the artists stay at the Dorslade farmhouse you have, or? Um, no, no. So, so the residency program is actually something that was very much kind of part of even before we opened. So, um, you know, while while the sort of the whole renovations of the buildings were you know going on, we were preparing for the gallery um, to open. Actually, Pippalotti Wrist came and spent about a year, you know, getting to know the local community, working. She was she was at a point in her um, in her practice that she really felt she needed a change, and um, you know, just to kind of you know, have that, have that thinking space. And, you know, as a result of, of her residency here, she actually created um, and gifted us an incredible site-specific piece that lives in the farmhouse um, called Mary Updown. And it's this wonderfully sort of interactive, suspended um, video piece Hmm. sort of taking sort of suspended glass objects um, sort of from the Victorian era that sort of were found in a, you know, in one of the kind of local, dumping grounds of the of the sort of farms and fields and sort of what the kind of residency has sort of and actually sorry I should also mention that within the farmhouse Guillermo Quitka um, did a sort of a whole wall painting in the dining room and then um, Bjorn and Otto Roth so the son and grandson of Dieter Roth actually created um, the the bar in the gallery which is essentially you know the Roth bar and grill which you know the name comes from and essentially that bar that when you come and drink your coffee and have your lunch that is actually a social living sculpture because it's it's very much in you know in the vein of of Dieter Roth and you know one of one of the kind of the key artists of Hasenworth's DNA um and sort of from that I guess the residencies so you know it's again with everything that we do it's you know, it needs to, it, it's very organic. It needs to make sense. Um, sometimes, you know, when an artist comes in residence, they're working specifically towards an exhibition. So for instance, Rashid Johnson, um, you know, was in residence with us for two months working on his exhibition that he had in 2017 with us. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, again, Matthew Day Jackson came for four months um, in 2018 in preparation so for the, the length of the of its residency varies depending on the artist and their uh, the time it's, frame, the activities. They're yeah. on invitation. So, so yeah, our residencies are completely by invitation, and uh, predominantly they are our gallery artists. And you know, sometimes you know they they are artists that are not our gallery artists, but you know they will have come through suggestions. You know, through our artists, they're they're basically sort of you know close kind of what we call so the wider Hausenworth family, I guess. And mm-hmm. each residency is, you know, is very unique to each artist. Um, you know, before an artist comes, we have that conversation of, you know, how long would you, 
how long do you feel you need? What is it that you're looking for? Uh, so for instance, when Matthew Day Jackson came for those four months in preparation for his show with us here, um, he brought his, his family and his two little boys who went to the local primary school and they really became embedded into the community. And, you know, it really is, you know, and they did lots of kind of events, um, you know, opening the studio and talks at the gallery. And, you know, this is something that, you know, Barty Curl, so when she was in residence with us last year, did as well in, in, in advance for a show. So there's not kind of one uh, cut and dry structure to it. It, it mm -hmm. really is unique to the artists. And it's, it, it's about giving artists space to kind of really think and develop in their, you know, in, in their creative production. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, it is about that inspiration. Uh, let's go to uh, from Supersonic and their first track <laughs> to your second musical choice, uh, which is Chopin. Uh, yes, should I say something really quickly about um, yes, yes, why I've chosen time. these? I'm I'm, yeah. I'm a big music fan, and actually the reason I started with Oasis. Yeah, I've seen you in Glastonbury party. <laughs> yeah, I've been there before. Um, but essentially, sort of, you know, when it came out in 1994, I was living in Canada, um, and it was sort of my first kind of eye-opening, you know, as as a teenager to you know Britpop, the immense kind of possibility of creativity going on in the UK. The YBAs were happening, and I just wanted to be in the center of this kind of creative outpouring so for me that song kind of really um I don't know it, it sort of encompasses that kind of naive um excitement that I think I had sort of early on that led me to this transition the eventually yeah um and then just to say quickly about the Chopin piece um and I believe you found um, a piece played by Garrick Olson. Um, mm -hmm. And Garrick Olson is, you know, he is just sort of the forefront um, virtuoso of sort of playing Chopin pieces. And Chopin is is um, is a composer who, you know, without doubt, in the first couple of seconds of certain songs, I can just be bursting into tears. It is just so heart-wrenchingly beautiful. And he really, you know, he was really a, um, a composer who you know, he discovered everything for the piano. He, you know, he really, he really was incredible. And I think, yeah, that's why I wanted to put him in there.
So that was Chopin uh, by Gary Goldsman. And back with Dia Vanagan, one of the directors of uh, Hauser and Wirth in Somerset. And Dia, apart from artist residency, you have also uh, developed the last, uh, I think, couple of years, uh, a curatorial residency. Would you like to talk um, about about this program? Absolutely. Actually, in 2017, um, because, again, as I mentioned before, the residency program is, is, you know, there isn't sort of a strict structure to it. We really like to respond. Um, and one of the kind of... Um, areas of when I joined the gallery was really looking at kind of how do we um, you know connect with our international networks as well and so sort of from that we developed um, an annual international curatorial residency which essentially sort of brings together five influential curators and invites them to be immersed in the ethos and programming here and um, each year we sort of have a specific topic and then, they, you know, they we reach out. They are all together at the same time or they are spread within the, the year? Sorry, I didn't understand. So, so basically there's, there's five curators that come at the same time for one okay. week. Mm-hmm. And they're all, um, it's all one specific topic. So for instance, in our first year, we did Adventurous Curators International Perspectives. And so we invited five curators that we really felt, um, you know, were breaking boundaries and sort of doing something completely different in their fields. Um, and so, you know, from that, we had uh, Daniel Bauman from the Kunsthal Zurich, uh, Gary Kara Muriari um, from the New Museum, Rosie Cooper from Delaware Pavilion and Anne Elgood, who's at the Hammer Museum in Los Angeles at the time. And essentially they sort of, you know, they, we, what we did is we reached out to, you know, all our different um, locations and we asked each of them to sort of nominate um, different curators that kind of really spoke to the, to to the topic, brought them together and created sort of a program um, of, you know, over five days for them to experience not only sort of, um, you know, artist studio visits in London um, to then coming down to Somerset, getting to know sort of all the local activities that we do. But we felt it wasn't enough just for them to kind of share and communicate with one another, but we really wanted to kind of open that out to the public. And so as part of this residency is also the International Curatorial Symposium. And that's on the final day um, of these five days where then each of them will um, do a presentation and you know, there'll be a whole kind of um, discourse and discussion. And in the first year, we had Jonathan Watkins chairing. Um, and each sort of the year after that, we looked at sort of um, sort of curators that work a lot with kind of sculpture and exploring the third dimension. And last year, uh, we looked at curating private art collections. So, you know, we had Carolyn curating Bourgeois. What, sorry? sorry, curating private art collections. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, And that was, uh, we had Caroline Bourgeois from the Pinot Collection, Wendy Chang from the Rennie Collection in Vancouver, um, Jenny Moore from the Chinati Foundation, Scarlett Smatana from the George Economo Collection, Jian Lee, um, the director of SUM, and Louisa Buck, um, you know, the art journalist, and who we all know was a brilliant chair for us. And essentially that was in conjunction with um, our exhibition, Unconscious Landscape, which was works from the Ursula Hauser Collection. Um, So it was kind of inspired by the exhibition that we had on at the time, but it was really kind of investigating, you know, what does it, what do private art collections mean today? How these, you know, how these different directors and curators sort of work with these um, private collections, you know, something like, for instance, the Pinot collection is incredibly sort of public, whereas, uh, you know, with, with, you know, two locations in Venice and one now in Paris, whereas, uh, you know, something like, the um, the Georgia Conmo collection is something sort of a bit more private, and you know they they 
heavily loan out pieces to museums. And so it was interesting to kind of look at these five different perspectives together. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it, it's, it's interesting to kind of see how the curators over the course of that week really, you know, all the discussions that they have and they get to know. Because actually, if you think about it, you know, sort of curators working at that level, they don't really have sort of time, you know, it's not it's not common that you would have five days that you can sort of spend, you know, intensely together discussing different ideas and um, concepts and then being able to share that out um, very yeah. quickly with Especially a large audience. Coronavirus where everyone was on an airplane jumping from country to country to, yeah. to go to art fairs, festivals or uh, whatever uh, galleries, openings and Biennales and other art events. So it seems that, you know, now with the COVID, it's more time. But before that, and what you provided, basically, it's a it's a platform for people to stay there for longer and take their time yeah. together to brainstorm. Correct? Yeah. And, you know, and it's really wonderful, actually, sort of speaking to the curators who've been, you know, on the residency, actually, they they do keep in touch and they, you know, they really you know, they really kind of value that time here. And it's such a privilege for us to be able to offer that platform and, you know, see those discussions happening and be able to share that with, with our public. We actually, it's it's funny that actually I'm speaking to you this week because this week would have been our fourth annual International Curatorial Residency and Symposium. But obviously with COVID, we've had to postpone that to next year. So mm-hmm. um, probably sort of later, um, later sort of early fall, perhaps around freeze time will be sort of just sort of sharing a, quite a lot of the resources um, around, you know, around the kind of the symposium and residency. And um, that's, I guess, another thing just to kind of highlight within, you know, on the House and Work website, we have, you know, an incredible amount of artist films and um, talks and discussions, activities for children. Um, you know, there's, there's lots of resources on our website, um, including, you know, all the presentations and discussions that were part of the International Curatorial Residency. And uh, Dia, your next uh, choice is uh, David Bowie and Space Oddity. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's just a song I absolutely love. But also, you know, David Bowie is, you know, he was a complete multidisciplinary sort of creative individual and it's someone who I massively admire. So had to, had to include him in the list. Okay, let's go to David Bowie and Space Oddity. Control to Major Tom Ground Control to Major Tom Take your protein pills and put your helmet on Ground Control to Major Tom Sing countdown engines on Three, two, check ignition and may God's love be with you. Great. 
Back with Dea Vanagan and Dea, um, undoubtedly Hauser and Wirth has been a very successful uh, gallery. Where do you attribute this uh, success? I mean, I think it, you know, it absolutely comes down to you know the vision of Ivan, Manuela, um, Ursula, Mark, sort of you know working together, and also just their kind of you know, their passion for artists and art. And I think, you know, that's something that's, again, at the absolute heart of everything. You know, anytime that we sort of work and think about kind of, you know, having an artist in residence, putting on an exhibition is, you know, what will be the best, you know, what will be the best solution for the artists? And really it's about nurturing, supporting and promoting. And, you know, and the next stage on that is really about kind of how we bring lots of people in and invite and educate and engage. So, 
you know, I think it, it comes down to, yeah, a real passion for the artists and the artworks um, and belief in them. And then, you know, it's, it's about kind of remaining really organic and responsive and reactive to situations as they, as they come along. You know, for instance, with this whole COVID situation, we also developed this whole new digital platform called Dispatches, um, which is essentially sort of a collection of artist films and interviews um, that, you know, you know, and this is where the, the 15 online exhibitions that we've done fed, have fed into as well. So, you know, it really is kind of being, you know, quick to adapt um, in the most sort of organic um, and relevant way as possible. So fast respond to the realities of the world. And the needs of the artists as well? Yeah, but in a very considered way, in a very, very considered way and keeping, you know, quality and integrity, uh, you, know, it, you know, as the focal point, really. And how do you choose your artist here if there is a, so, something that speaks to your heart? Uh, well, uh, you know, the, the, the selection of the artist, you know, is really, you know, it really is, you know, you know, Ivan Manuela and Mark, and it's, you know, it, there, there are certain sort of core artists that have been, let's, you know, let's call them the kind of, that become part of the DNA of the gallery. So, you know, like Louise Bourgeois and Dieter Roth, um, you know, both Asmoth worked with when they were alive and continue to look after the estates. Um, Pippolotti Rist, Paul McCarthy. So, you know, these these are artists that really are kind of at the core. And then, you know, sometimes it's, you know, certain artists or estates come on board because, um, you know, either Ivan Manuela or Mark Ursula have been following them for a very long time. And, um, you know, and it makes sense to kind of bring them into the into the group but uh, you know and sometimes sort of new artists can come via the existing artists that we have so for instance mm. I believe it was uh, Rashid Johnson who you know introduced us to Simone Lee because Rashid and Simone have been you know longtime friends and admirers of each other's work and so there really is this kind of organic um, development that you know that that comes with um, you know, with how artists are selected to be represented by the gallery. I would also say that sort of the expansion of the gallery in, you know, different, you know, different locations around the world. So, you know, from Los Angeles to Hong Kong and everything in between, um, you know, that really sort of allows kind of creative growth in new regions and meeting different, um, you know, meeting different artists and, you know, mm. engaging with them. So it's, there's no kind of like strict criteria, as it were, um, as to how that happens. But it really is kind of just trying to find the best um, artists and estates working in their field. And, and also, you know, what, what we can do for them. Yeah. And how is the, you, you have many galleries. How do you uh, communicate? Are the exhibitions touring uh, from gallery to gallery? Each gallery space have their own program. How is that working? Well, essentially, there's there's a you know there's a program committee that you know look after kind of how the different you know which space will have which exhibition at which time, and it's you know it's an incredible kind of complex matrix because of course you need to think about kind of where an artist is um, you know in their production of a certain body of work. Um, do they have a museum exhibition coming up? Are they you know representing their country in the Venice Biennial. Um, so there's lots of um, different factors at play um, and, and thinking about kind of what makes sense as well in terms of certain work. And so um, basically it's a central committee which decides. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, of course, you know, things, 
you know, and of course, for instance, that, you know, you have to be flexible with unforeseen kind of situations or for instance, um, you know, I mean, COVID is just a, a case in point, you know, our, our exhibition programs have, you know, have had to sort of slightly shift and change in terms of what we had programmed, much like all the, you know, museums and other galleries around the world because, you know, of lockdown. I mean, we, yeah. we decided to, to reopen um, our two exhibitions that we've had since January with Don McCullen, um, The Stillness of Life and Not the Tal Scarch. We decided to actually extend those two shows till the beginning of September um, because we just felt that the, the lockdown sort of took out a large chunk of, you know, our visitors being able to experience those exhibitions and really enjoy them. Um, and, and, you know, and so it's, I think, you know, we have, we have the, you know, being a commercial gallery, we have, I guess the, you know, the ability to be perhaps a bit more flexible in mm. being able to make those decisions perhaps rather than if we were kind of Faster, you know, yeah, a, a public institution. Have, yeah. 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 Museums have to schedule three, four years in advance. So something like uh, COVID must be kind of completely. Uh, do you also have something uh, uh, which supports uh, emerging or uh, other artists who are not represented by the gallery? Yeah, it, well, in Somerset, there's actually, you know, we there's a lot of ways that we work with, you know, local artists that are not represented by the gallery. Um, you know, this can be through different sort of uh, creative and practical workshops, various education and events. Um, you know, in the past, uh, you know, we, we have done sort of group exhibitions that featured a lot of artists that we did not represent. Um, for instance, The Land We Live In, The Land We Left Behind, which was um, curated by Adam Sutherland of Grisdale Arts, had, you know, over 100 artists that, um, you know, and a small percentage of those were gallery, you know, our House and Worth gallery artists. So, you know, there, there are sort of different opportunities, but that, for instance, that exhibition really made sense for Somerset because it had a lot to do with, you know, agricultural histories and the land and landscape. And, you know, that's something else to kind of, you know, that's something else that we always think about when we think about the exhibitions here in Somerset is that, you know, we obviously want to kind of celebrate, um, you know, over the course of a year, we sort of try and celebrate at least kind of one living artist that we represent, one estate that we represent, and then something that kind of celebrates the local. And when I say local, I don't mean Somerset. I mean, it could be like the local context. So the fact that we're in an agricultural context. So mm -hmm. actually, even with our current exhibitions, Don McCullen um, and Not Vital. So Don McCullen, as I'm sure you know, is um, you know, world famous uh, photographer. He's Somerset based, and he is represented by the gallery. But then, oh, not I didn't know he's based in Somerset. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And then, and actually, a lot of his photographs that we're showing um, feature the Somerset landscape. So it's very different to his war reportage, as you, um, as you but probably saw it at his. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. As you might have seen for his incredible Tate exhibition, um, and. You know, and actually he's going to have a, an exhibition at Tate St. Ives very soon, later this year. Um, but then, you know, Don's show is alongside Not Fatal, is this incredible Swiss artist um, that, you know, we do not represent, but so much of his work has to do with, you know, interrogating towers and architectures and um, involvement with the community and the landscape and engaging with kind of natural, um, you know, natural sort of open spaces and this idea of discovery. And so, you know, it... It, it felt relevant yeah. and suitable to put it together. 
Exactly, exactly. And I'd say sort of another, you know, another thing that's actually come out during, um, you know, the whole sort of COVID crisis and, and lockdown is um, we did this, uh, this platform called Homegrown, which mm -hmm. the Homegrown um, is essentially sort of uh, a platform for our basically selling artworks by our gallery staff, immediate family members, freelancers, um, you know, online. It's actually connecting people that want to buy their works directly to those artists. So, you know, it really is celebrating the creative talents of, you know, this worldwide team that, you know, that mm -hmm. we have and, and those and those connections. That's another way that we have, um, you know, provided opportunities for non-represented artists. Uh, let's go to our next track, Bill Withers and Grandma's Hands. Why did you choose this one, apart from its amazing track, dear? Um, well, Bill Withers I absolutely adore, and he always reminds me of kind of relaxed weekends. Um, but I think specifically Grandma's Hands, I mean, you listen to it, you just can't not dance, right? Yeah, yeah, it has a rhythm, so let's go to it. <laughs> church on Sunday morning Grandma's hand played a tambourine so well Grandma's hand used to issue out a warning she'd say Billy don't you run so fast might fall on a piece of glass might be snakes there in that grass Grandma's hand Unwed mother, grandma's hand used to ache sometimes and swell. Grandma's hand used to lift her face and tell her she'd say, Baby, grandma, understand that you really love that man. Put yourself in Jesus' hands, grandma's hand. Grandma's hand. To hand me piece of candy, Grandma's hand. Pick me up each time I fell, Grandma's hand. Boy, it really came in a handy. She'd say, Matty, don't you whip that boy. What you wanna spank him for? He didn't drop no apple core, but I don't have Grandma anymore. If I get to heaven, I'll look for Grandma. Yeah, so what is going on at the house? Uh, how soon are we Somerset at the moment? And what's the plan um, for the future? Absolutely. Well, essentially, I mean, we definitely, during our closure periods, we closed from the 17th of March and um, actually fully reopened the galleries on the 1st of July. Um, you know, we took that time as well to think a lot about how can we make our space, you know, very safe and um, welcoming for our visitors. And, you know, we you know, we really focused um, on, you know, all the different measures that we could put in place, of course, very closely following government guidelines. Um, so actually now, um, in order to kind of come and visit us, we ask you to, you know, book a slot through Eventbrite online. Um, and, you know, all we ask is for a donation to one of our chosen charities. But essentially, it's just to really help us manage numbers. Uh, we, of course, have a thorough kind of cleaning program. 
um, and a whole one-way system that's in place. And it's really, you know, it's really kind of taking these measures and very seriously for the protection of, you know, all our visitors, for our staff and for anyone, you know, really anyone visiting. And so, you know, we've also kind of, the events and the education, you know, is, is something that, you know, is very much at the core of what we do. And we've also had to rethink that program. And so in terms of kind of the events, we've we've come up with a very gentle program of sort of small groups of six of sort of weekly tours, talking about the outdoor sculpture we have on site, um, little director intros, also a garden tour with our head gardener. Um, you know, there'll also be different garden activities like, you know, drawing inspired by um, the Adolf Field. Mm-hmm. And then we have different sort of speakers out in the open air with um, Stephen Moss and Kerry Donald and Gavin Pretropini, um, and also you know uh, you know the opportunity to purchase a signed book by Don McCullen um, on a specific day if you visit. And so there's there's these sorts of gentle activities that you know, and as much as you know, as as you know, they're all in the open air, and so it really is kind of How working within the restrictions that we have. Pardon. How big is the land? Of so the, yeah. the, the actual kind of like a site that we occupy is a thousand acres of site. Um, yeah. yeah. So and actually, it's, it's been, space. <laughs> if there's, there, yes. Well, but the thing is, is that most of that is, I'd say predominantly that is farmland. So for instance, our, the out of field, the garden, that's only 1.5 acres. Um, and so, you know, the actual kind of, we, yes, we do have a lot of outdoor space, but a lot of that is for the farming. So um, still we need to kind of, you know, be mindful of, of people on site. I mean, we've, we've heavily reduced our numbers um, and actually, you know, during the month of June, we actually opened just the garden from Friday to Sunday. And sort of looking at the numbers between June until, you know, July 9th, which it is today, we've had, um, you know, 1,800 people visit the site so far. When in actuality, you know, throughout a week, you know, we might have kind of two to 3,000 visitors a week, um, you know, yeah. with including the different activities. And, but you know, when you think about... Yeah, your activities Sorry. also have changed digitally, so perhaps you have way more uh, visitors uh, in the yeah. uh, digital domain. Well, actually, funny, funny you should mention that we did during lockdown. We did a screening of uh, Five Seasons, which is uh, the gardens of Pete Aldoff, of of which the Somerset Galleries um, garden features, as well as the High Line, um, and that actually reached over one million views over a single weekend that we screened it online. So, wow. um, but sadly, I don't, I don't think we can count that as actual hard visitor numbers. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, but since opening, I mean, I think just as a comparison, I think it's nice to kind of note that since opening in 2014, we have, you know, welcomed over 755,000 visitors. Um, mm. So, you know, when, when you think about the fact that we are a destination, um, you know, just, uh, just under two hours, uh, west at Southwest outside of London, you know, that is, it's, it's, it's not an insignificant amount, which is, you know, which we're really proud of. Yeah. Uh, last and, question, dear. Yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. I was also just going to say one of the other things that we've reopened on the 1st of July is our make gallery, which is um, it, within Bruton. We have a small domestic space um, that in 2018, we opened a small um, contemporary craft gallery. Um, and so that also opened and, you know, the exhibition, that current exhibition has been extended and, 
yeah, you know, people can come and visit and it's, yeah. It's another wonderful point for people to engage with. Yeah, you we we were briefly uh, talked about uh, you know the digital domain and the physical experience. Um, do you feel that the digital domain can substitute the physical experience, and how how far this relationship can go in terms of art? I don't think the digital is ever a substitution, um, you know, for for the physical experience, but I definitely think it can provide you know, opportunities for people to, you know, learn more and understand more and actually have a more meaningful um, experience when they have that physical, when it comes to that physical response. So I think they sort of work very well hand in hand, um, you know, knowing, you know, the backstory and the history of, of a certain artist's work or practice can only help and inform your experience of, of their work. So I think they run hand in hand. I don't think it's ever a substitute. Mm-hmm. And what is next for Housing with Somerset Dare? What's next? Um, yeah. So in so yeah, so in the fall, actually, we'll be opening um, two new exhibitions. So one will be with Lee Lozano. And the other one will be Nicole Eisenman, who we're very excited about because this is this will be her first exhibition um, with the gallery um, in in any of our galleries. So really, really delighted and honored that we'll be mm-hmm. able to show her. Um, and also, actually, in London during freeze, we'll be showing Rashid Johnson, which you know is very close to the Somerset family, as I mentioned before. He did a residency here and and um, exhibited here. So. Yeah. Fantastic. Looking forward to it. Uh, dear Vanagan, thank you very much for being with us on the Art Hour. And we're closing, so we're closing with your last uh, track selection, which is Neil Young and Harvest Moon. I think it goes perfectly with Somerset House. Yeah. <laughs> with, uh, Somerset, sorry, and your grounds and your activities. Uh, and I should say he's also. I, I should also say he's Canadian. So <laughs> he's Canadian. So he links even more with you, Neil Young yeah. and Harvest Moon. Thank you very much, dear. Have a lovely day. Thank you too.
I wanna see you 